the expression from the music inspired me so much to take risks and it inspired damn near the whole rap game. Hello again, I'm Adam Unz. You may know me as the host of The Opus, and now I'm bringing my own show, The Spark Parade, to the Consequence Podcast Network. I speak with artists and creatives about the cultural artifacts that spark their personal interest and creativity, whether it's music, books, movies, video games, or any other kind of art. I've never spoke about it in this amount of detail. I'm suddenly going, oh my God, I'm blowing my own mind here, Christ. It's, it's actually a giant part of my life. By talking about the things we love, we share and discover insights into our personality and the things that drive us. It's just magic, really. I mean, frustrating and it makes some people angry, but I don't think anyone's ever done anything like it. I speak with people like Connor Robers, Phoenix's Thomas Mars, Chris Gethard, Helen Hong, Adrian Young, and more, so their sparks of inspiration can start a fire in you. I'm grateful for those who continue to put our history and who we are as a people in the forefront and make you see it. Find the Spark Parade wherever you get your podcasts. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes. Ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome in to episode 215 of the Modern Jumper Podcast with Mike and Mike. And this episode is brought to you in part by Angel Drums. If you recall last week, we made the announcement that they are doing a very special deal between now and uh, October 31st. That's Halloween. You can get yourself a solid ash snare drum for just $4.75 plus shipping. Or you can get yourself a 14-inch high-gloss mahogany snare. These are, again, these are solid shell block construction, solid pieces of wood. So you can get a solid high-gloss mahogany snare for $6.99 plus shipping. Both those drums come with Angel's, uh, you know, their proprietary uh, single flange hoops, straight hoops. Their own, they make their own lugs, they make their own throw-off. So super high-end. Those deals are crazy. Now, if you want to get a full kit... You can get a solid block construction maple kit with a with 10, 12, 14 inch toms and a 20 inch bass drum. That is just $19.99 plus shipping. And if you want to add a snare to that setup, so you get a 10, 12, 14 with a 20 inch bass drum plus the maple snare, that is just $23.99 plus shipping. So if you want to take advantage of this deal, make sure you email Chris at angeldrums.com if you're in the US. That's C-H-R-I-S at angeldrums.com. Or if you're outside the U.S., you can just go to angeldrums.com and contact them there to place your order. Again, you can get a full kit with 10, 12, 14-inch toms, 20-inch bass drum, plus a maple snare for $23.99. You can get the shell pack without the snare for $19.99. You can get a high-gloss mahogany snare for $6.99. Or you can get a ash snare for $4.75. Incredible deals. Take advantage of it now between, between now and uh, October 31st. AngelDrums.com. This episode is also brought to you by Dream Symbols. And if you are going to be attending or if you're thinking about attending the Percussive Art Society International Convention here in a few weeks in Indianapolis, one of Dream's uh, top artists, Scott Pellegram, will be giving a clinic there uh, on Thursday of the show, Thursday morning, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. That's November... 14th, November 14th, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Scott Pellegram is giving a clinic at PASIC in Indianapolis. And then immediately following around 1230, Scott will be at Dream's booth because they will be in the exhibit hall displaying all their stuff. Um, I will be there as well, probably hanging out around that time. Um, just meet and greet, maybe do some giveaways yet to be announced. But again, uh, make sure you go um, go to dreamsymbols.com for more info. If you haven't checked out Scott Pellegram, uh, definitely take a look at what he's been posting. And it's going to be a super fun clinic. So we'll see everyone there at PASIC 2019. November 14th, 11 a.m. for the Scott Pellegram Clinic. And lastly, this episode is brought to you by Black Swamp Percussion. If you recall, we featured a couple of their snare drums a few episodes back, and we do have a review coming up very soon where we're going to really dig in deep to these drums. But um, the drums that we were discussing is the Medallion Brass. So if you're looking for a really high-end, high-quality brass drum, there's two options here. There's a 5x14. This is the Medallion Brass 5x14. They also have a 6 snap by 14 medallion brass. Both of those um, are available with no ex for no extra charge. You can get a torch patina finish, or you can get the standard black nickel over brass finish. You can also get hand engraving by uh, Black Swamp 
for 300 to 400 dollars more depending on the pattern that you want so the pricing is for the five uh, map pricing 780 map pricing for the six and a half 799 incredible deal uh, for really high quality drums that we will be featuring in great detail in a later episode um, but for the time being go to black swamp Go to their website, check out the Dynamics Medallion Brass Snares. And also, if you're going to be attending PASIC, uh, Black Swamp will be in the booth, in the exhibit hall with their own booth, and they will have these drums on display, as well as a bunch of other Dynamics drums and their uh, Black Swamp percussion instruments. So they will be in exhibit hall at PASIC. That is November 14, 15, 16, Indianapolis, Indiana. So if you're considering going to PASIC, this would be a good year to be there. Check out all that stuff. All right, so let's get into our intro beat. Our intro beat is by Ryan Halsey. He says this is a Gadsden-inspired groove that he recorded and mixed for a local artist. He's playing an interesting kit, so he's got a Sakai trilogy kit with a vintage-style three-ply shells, 16-inch floor tom, 13-inch rack tom, 22-inch bass drum. He has the uh, the coveted Ludwig Acrylite tuned super low for that super punchy sound. Hi-hats are 18-inch minor crashes. Has a 22 inch minor Big Apple Dark Ride. Uh, he also recorded the EAD 10 audio to give a little bit of distortion to add underneath the cleaner sound of the microphone. So, this is Ryan Halsey. Let's get the show going. The sweet, buttery sounds of Ryan Halsey. <laughs> I dig his hi-hats. He's playing 18-inch hi-hats in that. That's What did he say he's using? He's got a minor jazz thin on top and an extra dry crash on the bottom. Those are That's awesome. Big. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan's a great player. He's, he was with Mike Sussings for a long time, just a good dude, and was always practicing like crazy. And it's, it is a little odd that those people that are obsessed with practice end up getting really good. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, really think about when we'd always talk about the people that are currently making an industry. It's like, yeah, man, we could never hang out with that guy who's always practicing. Yeah. Or when I talk about Annika, I'm like, yeah, she always excuses herself early from dinner to go in the van and practice. Yeah, Shocking I, that they're killing it. And I got to say, how many years have I been up talking about the quarter note being my obsession? It's right. finally paid off this past week, and I had a, a recording what? session where I just showed up to the studio with you know a band of people that I've, I'm really good friends with, but we never actually played music together. And immediately, the band was super tight. Everyone was like, holy crap, we could play a show right now. The producer turned the click on, and it was like, okay, we can just make music. There was zero oh. anxiety for anyone. It was I did like two... I mean, we, we rehearsed for hours because they were just setting up the studio. But we were just playing songs. Like, we did, like, six different songs. But we were only recording one. Okay. So when it finally came down to, like, all right, record, the click track came on for the first time all day. Like, we weren't rehearsing. To oh, click. wow. Like, oh, there's the click. Let's play. And it was two takes, done. And I felt like that's what 10 years of practicing like a maniac to a metronome is all about. Like, yeah, it was just, and that's what Vinny feels go. like all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> Speaking of Vinny, did you listen to some of those podcasts? I did. I did. A couple well, of them. I got through a couple of them. Oh, it's so I'm funny when somebody my said. Yet. I'm not saving my Okay. Opinion. Okay. When somebody said, you know, Vinny has a podcast, I thought they meant he did a podcast. And, you know, we don't get to hear Vinny speak a lot. Right. There's like some archival footage of him at a clinic where he's breaking down seven days. Mm -hmm. and <laughs> Which I remember downloading, gosh, on my old Dell using like Kazaa yep. or something. <laughs> Kazaa. Yeah, buddy. That was that was the one where like, I don't think I'll get arrested if I use Kazaa because they have a nicer logo <laughs> yeah. than BitTorrent. Um <laughs> In Pirate Bay. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so he's got a, a podcast. Now, I actually have only listened to one episode. I listened to the first episode about decisions. Mm. And it was maybe only 10 minutes long. Yeah, yeah they're all short. Uh, okay, now, uh, full disclosure, I actually don't know Vinny. I've never met him. I've just been a fan my whole life. Uh, he's really well-spoken. Oh, yeah. No, he's a smart man. Yeah, no yeah doubt. I mean, I, I, I gathered, <laughs> but... How would I know? He doesn't have a DV. Like, he's not always speaking to the camera. And most of the stuff I've seen him speaking to the camera on from those old, old Zildjian videos where he would demo oh, yeah, stuff. Right. You know, it's it's product launch stuff. So there, there mm. could be people feeding him lines. I've never just heard him pontificate on a topic before. <laughs> I was like, dude, this guy's like shockingly educated. <laughs> How great would it be if he was just so dim? <laughs> 
<laughs> like this thing. How yeah. can you play all that stuff on the drums and have like no vocabulary as a, as a speaking person? As a human? Uh, yeah, it was it was really good. So definitely check it out. I, I can't remember the name. Is it just Vinny Speaks or Breakfast uh, with Vinny? That's what I said. Vinny Speaks. Yeah, it's called <laughs> Breakfast with Vinny. And I've only heard the first episode. So when are you going to give us your opinion? Will it be now or will it be in the future? Uh, in the future, because I, I okay. listened to them kind of when I was, you know, super busy and, and turned them on. I'm like, OK, I'm not sure that I'm not I'm buying this yet. So let me let me let okay. it simmer, mainly just because I don't know. I'll, I'll hold. There was one one topic in particular. I'm like, is he actually? Is he just thinking out loud, or does this have any like real world? Like, okay, you know that kind of well, that's kind of the vibe. I'll have I'm, to get deeper into it. Yeah. I, I only listened to the first episode about decisions, and I thought it was fantastic. I was on a long walk, mm-hmm. uh, so it, I really was giving it my full attention. I obviously the nerd in me was like, God dang it. Of course he has the best sounding vocal mic in the world. And it's like, cause I, I had my, I had my in-ears in as I'm walking and I was like, God, his voice sounds buttery and it's probably going through some, a Neve board and he's just sit. I could just see him sitting at like a giant Neve console and he's like, yeah, this will work for a podcast. He's probably just talking right into his earbuds. I don't want to, I don't want to hear it. Nope. Nope. I, I can't imagine that Vinny's just at the mall with his Bluetooth on doing a podcast, yeah. even though that's probably closer to what it could be. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> All right. Well, so what do you got coming up, buddy? You got some oh, clinics? Uh, yeah, I've got the the actual details for that clinic I talked about in the last episode. So it is, it's in Clearwater, Florida. I'll be there Monday, December 2nd, 7 p.m. It is going to be held at All Access Recording, which is a studio educational facility down there. It is sponsored by Spinelli Drums. They are the one who are footing the majority of the bill, as well as Modern Drummer, Drum Ears, Drum Tacks, Saw Blade, uh, Saw Blade Head Designs, and Drum Static. So I'm going to be down there Monday, December 2nd. It's free. So if you're in the area, just come out. Make sure you bring some sticks and a pad if you want to really dig in. It's going to be full nerd mode for a couple hours. That's the vibe. Awesome, man. I'm stoked for you, buddy. Well, I've got a camp to get to. I'm teaching my last camp of the year so uh, so that we can have full attention on this episode. Let's dive right into our educational topic because okay. this is something where we, you and I were speaking about this and speaking mm-hmm. about it possibly being a topic. And then uh, I reached out to Carter McLean just because we we're actually just talking. And then I said, hey, man, kind of weird, but... Can you give me a one-minute soundbite or two-minute soundbite on your thoughts on this? So the topic that Mike and I were discussing was the topic of ride symbols and what do you look for in a ride symbol. And I think there's a couple things that happen, and I I purposely didn't listen to Carter's response because I didn't want that to influence what I was going to say. So I think there's almost two situations. What are you looking for in a ride symbol when it's in a song, well, then it's just the song. I'm not actually looking for anything for me personally. You know, if yeah. I don't want to play blind by corn on a jazz ride and go, I want to have, you know, that I, I want the, I want it to do its job. So I'm thinking more on the aspect of what am I looking for? If I'm not in a musical situation too much, you know, what am I looking for when I just sit down on the kit and play? And I can tell you right off the bat, the description you would find in the transition ride, whether or not that actually achieved it, let's leave that out. Mm. But the description is what I'm looking for. I want great stick articulation. I do want you to hear the notes, but I do want there. I don't want it to be so articulate that there's no wash. I actually like a little bit of wash. So it's blending the notes together a little bit. And then one thing that I've always done, no matter how many symbols were on my kit, is I crash on my ride quite a bit to buy me time to get somewhere else. It's the biggest symbol usually on my kit. And I'll be riding and as I'm going to transition into something else, I just give it a little whack on the side and it has this low pitched crash. If it does its job right, if the symbol I'm looking for has this low pitched crash that buys me a few seconds to reset and maybe go into a verse or something. And so I don't enjoy rides that don't crash at all. For a long mm-hmm. time, I was playing uh, Minel's 20-inch extra dry ride and ride cymbal playing on the bow of it. Loved it. But every time I'd crash it, it would go gong. Mm, and I was right. like, all right, not going to work for me. Um, so I'll start there. Now, when you listen to a ride, since you and I have very different jobs musically, I'm primarily playing by myself, teaching and doing clinics and festivals. 
you're primarily playing with other humans. Can you get yourself out of the what's this going to sound like in a musical situation or does your brain always go there? Hmm. Oh, that's a good question. I've, I've never thought of it like that. I think um, it's probably consistent. I'm looking for the thinnest possible ride for the given dynamic that I'm going to be playing. That's kind of okay. where I'm at. Like, uh, If it's a rock gig, then I know I've got to go heavier. So usually a medium ride will be good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's super loud, I just go with the, I have a 21 inch rock ride that that's my, my fail safe. If I know I'm going to be just smashing all night, but right. I generally think what's the thinnest symbol I can get away with for that given dynamic or that given genre. Um, lately, the biggest thing has been the bell has been a thorn in my side. Like I don't want a bell that's super loud, but I need a bell that has a little bit of a voice. So it's like this. You know, even mm-hmm. the, even the medium rides, the bells. I'm like, man, that's just too much. But then one step down, it's like, ah, oh, there's no bell. Like there's that. There's I'm having a hard time finding the spot where the bell has a voice, but it's not like I'm bringing everybody in for dinner. Yeah, you know, the direction that was given to the obviously, despite what people think, because they're emailing me about the cowbell. I think they think I make the cowbell in my backyard. Um, and they're like, hey, just so you know, mine. I'm like, ah, don't tell me. I had nothing to do with it. So same thing with the transition ride. I didn't make it. I didn't lay the damn thing. Um, but my direction to the people that do that was when it came to the bell, uh, the, the sentence I wrote to them was, I need the bell to activate the symbol. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you do that. I don't know what that means in symbol terms, but I do not. The, I do not want the bell to exist on its own. When I hit the bell, I need to hear the wash of the ride mm-hmm. while still hearing a clear bell. So I need a little bit of both. There are bells that I've hit where uh, I think of that. Um, what's that blue symbol? The Stuart Copeland one that Peisty makes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that bell is almost like it's almost elevated three inches above the symbol. It exists on its own. You yeah. hit it yeah. and you only hear the bell. It's like a chime. <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. Um, I wanted the opposite of that. I wanted the bell to activate the symbol. And because I'm not a symbol smith, I didn't know. I don't know what that means, but send that to Turkey. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I would just love to know that there's guys in Turkey going, activate the symbol. What an idiot. <laughs> he doesn't even know what he's talking about. That's, yeah, that's, I mean, the bell is you know, more and more I'm learning. That is the most important part of a symbol. It kind of defines everything, the pitch, the tone. It, but right. I think you, mean, what, you mean not the sound. You mean the, the shape of it, like the, the, in the process of making the yeah, symbol. Yeah, the shape yeah. of it, the thickness of it, the width of it. It's like that. I'm yep. Learning, the more I listen, really listen into the sustain of a symbol, it's actually the bell tone that you're hearing in most cases for me. I'm, like I'm hearing what is the bell tone when I crash the ride? Like you're getting mm-hmm. some of that ring. Yeah. So I'm for having sure. a hard time finding that. You know, there's a few that I especially record with for recording. I can go, I can go thinner and get something really dark, and it, it'll work. Like a like a corrode medium or something. That's kind of like a perfect like studio. But yeah, if I take that on a gig, um, I tend to go. Like my fir- favorite one currently is a 23-inch uh, A Sweet Ride by Zildjian. It's like okay, so it's that big. leads me into the next question: Do you have a preference 20, 21, 22, 23, or does it not matter to you? You're just going for sound. sound I mean, how much space it actually takes up on the kit does that bother you at all? One no, way or another? No, physical okay. on the kit, I'll accommodate. For me, it's it's it becomes dynamics. Like a 20-inch ride is beautiful until you get above medium loud. It's just it, yeah. It's just too small, and then a yeah. so a twenty one can be cool. Twenty two is probably where I lean to most of the time, but I like the twenty three sweet ride in particular because it's big, so the pitch is lower, but it's still the A series, so it's a brighter style. So it's yeah. a low pitch, but it's that brighter, cleaner ride sound. So it's kind of washy, but the, there's still ping to it. The problem is the wow. bell is still maybe just a little too strong. Uh, it's Gotcha. Like if they could do a small bell on that symbol or something, or hammer the bell or something. I don't. I have no idea. Yeah. I'm probably looking for something there's, that's impossible. There's a lot of air that comes off the symbol when you go from 20, say, to a 22. I have yeah. two of the same symbols. Actually, I have the uh, the Minel Big Apple uh, Dark Ride. I have it in 20, 22, and 24, and it's made the exact same way. It's just different sizes. Obviously, I'm sure the shape is different, but there's no different lathing or anything like that bells the same and you notice just like exactly what you said the pitch keeps going down but there's this air that's in the room when i'm playing that 24 Mm -hmm. um and i almost feel like the 24 
even though maybe it can go up higher if I whack the hell out of it, I feel like if I play the exact same, same dynamic level, especially on that thin, flexible jazz ride, it's actually a quiet ride. It's very easy to play quiet. Yeah. Um, it's not uncontrollable. Sometimes a 20, that because of the size, I can't get quiet enough because it's just it so... It's just wash out. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And so, well, let's, uh, let's give a listen to what Carter had to say about rides because he's definitely somebody that is obsessed with sound. Hey, everybody. This is Carter McLean, and this is what I look for in a ride symbol. To me, it's a very personal choice. Everybody's sound is different in their head. To me, and for the style of music that I typically play, which is groove, funk, kind of soul stuff, I lean towards thinner cymbals. My favorite cymbal is an Istanbul Agop 30th anniversary 22-inch ride, and the gram weight on it is 2132, because I'm sure people are going to want to know that. It's a very specific thing. The bell is quite flat on this cymbal, so you have a lower pitch, um, but the stick sound is more of a ta than a ting. And that's what I look for. I want more of a ta. If I'm playing a rock situation or a heavier gig like Lion King where there's a full orchestra and I'm really hitting a lot harder, I'm going to go with a heavier cymbal. It's going to cut through the orchestra more. There's a clear defined bell that I need for certain sections. So to me, it's all application at the end of the day. There's no right or wrong answer here. Play what inspires you to make better music. Here's a quick example of that 22-inch 30th anniversary uh, Istanbul Agap ride. Mike and Mike, thank you guys so much. Cheers. Well, he's not very articulate either. Just him and Vinny are just hanging out at the mall drinking slushies. <laughs> now, I will say, this is where all these 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 adjectives thin, it, it's it's or heavy, it's relative because he says a heavier ride for the Lion King kit. The kit, the ride that's on the Lion King kit, I would say is a medium or a medium thin. So, okay. he's living in the super thin ride symbol world. Right. He's got a mantra ride, I believe, on the kit at, at the theater, and it's it's articulate, but, but it's not it's not like it's not even like a medium Zildjian weight. Right. Yeah, and I think my my thought of what thin is is so different now than it was in my touring days, where mm-hmm. I thought Pisces Rudes, okay, cool, that's medium thin, and then let's <laughs> go you, from there. Did you use Rudes no. on tour? No, <laughs> I, I used actually. I was in a really cool time. Uh, my touring days and my time being a Pisces artist was an awesome time. They had uh, the Dimensions and the Innovations. Those were the two main lines mm-hmm. that I played that were, you didn't, <sighs> I have an update. <laughs> Welcome to PC land. <laughs> I didn't, uh, I'm going to turn that volume down now. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> anyways, moving on. Uh, you didn't, you know, if I broke a Dimensions or an Innovations, I didn't feel like I just crushed the soul of a Swiss symbol smith mm-hmm. that worked all day on a signature series. So I thought, and when you hit them that hard, I thought those things sounded amazing. So yeah, so that when I left that world, two things. One, my what I think of as thin now is me going up to a symbol and folding it into a taco, mm-hmm. and then it fle- right. flexing back out. That's like, cool, nice symbol. Yeah. And yeah. if I would have seen that out on the road back in the day, <laughs> are you kidding? I mean, we would have been like, what is this thing? So there's that. But the other thing is, we've talked about this a lot, but Carter also lives in a world where he can really express himself. I, f- I feel like his ride symbol is a big identifying factor to him, where to me, that would have been a hi-hat thing. When I was touring, mm-hmm. I was primarily, my groove life lived in the hi-hats, and then it's like, fine, I'll go over to this giant thing for the chorus. But yeah. Yeah. it wasn't an expressive piece of my gear, where now I live 80% in open grip while I'm playing ride cymbal. Mm-hmm. And so the ride cymbal is extremely big. And to the point that I now have two ride cymbals on my kit. I have the 22 Big Apple Dark on my left and then the transition ride on my right. Mm-hmm. And they complement each other really well. And now crashes have become this thing where crashing aren't, crash isn't a noun. It's not a symbol. It's a verb. And I just crash on whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Crash on the rides, crash on the side of things, you know, and then I have, I really only have one crash on my kit, which is a 20 inch extra thin hammered crash. 
What? <laughs> what? What happened to what happened to Mikey J and his ten inch Sabian B eight China Splash? Yeah, where's your sixteen? Um, Come on, I grew up. So yeah, so it's it's a it's a it's quite a cool thing. And I think what we wanted to give you guys out of this was if you're feeling a little bit confused, I think that is actually the point. We want to let you know there's no right or wrong answer. You have mm-hmm. to find what you want. And I can tell you from personal experience, knowing what you want out of a ride symbol is quite a journey. Uh, it was a decades-long journey for me to even have my ear be activated to the point that I could go, no, I know exactly what I want. Yeah. I remember hearing about Benny going through his process while creating the sand hats and how meticulous he was. And I, at the time, thought... I can't imagine knowing how to tell somebody what I wanted, but my ear just wasn't in that place yet. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that that's part of the process. Yeah. And I, and for me, it's, it's the juggling between what do I want and what do I need? <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, absolutely. Of course I want that 22 inch 30th anniversary ride, but right. in what, how often am I going to be able to use that? Outside of my own, just in my studio playing. I mean, that's just not saying, my world. I, mean, I feel like <laughs> Carter and I, could get together and if if it's a birthday present you want just let us know you know (laughs) i'm sure for a friend he could get cost plus 10 i could kick in a little it'd be fine it would be all good all right so hopefully that helped and if you guys want more of that stuff what do we look for in a snare drum what do we look for in hi-hats what do we look for in our drum heads let us know we are happy to do more and more of that stuff all right now let's get into what so we've got a, a story in the November issue where uh, Steve Lukather of the band Toto goes through and picks his favorite Jeff Percaro tracks. So I thought it'd be cool to supplement that with the audio of the tracks themselves so we can kind of really hear the magic of Jeff Percaro. Um, so I'm going to open up the story now and see what the first one is. So, of course, the first one is Rosanna. Yeah, so I I found the um, drums isolated version of Rosanna, so we can hear just the magic of Jeff's intro beat. Um, so let's just start there, obviously. I mean, that might be the most perfect drum take of anything ever recorded. Ever. All time. (laughs) Okay, so think about you're driving right now, you're in your car, you're on a long walk like I was for Vinny's podcast, and you guys are listening to this. And listen to how quiet those ghost notes are. I mean, they're crazy quiet, right? But when you hear this in the mix, you can still hear those ghost notes just fine. How is that possible? Yeah, I think that is Jeff's genius is his clarity and dynamic control. I mean, and every backbeat is exactly the same. I mean, yeah. it's insane. And this was recorded in 1982. There was no. Say, this is all recorded tape. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's recorded tape. Um, that's, yeah, that's and him. I remember the how cool it was at this time, especially if you were a fan of maybe uh, 70s, you know, soul and R and B music. Sometimes it was kind of hard to hear the drum parts, and when me and my drummer nerd buddies would geek out over this exact track. We really could have a good. De- it wasn't even a debate. We could hear like, no, no, no. He's not playing that. He's not playing ghosts throughout the whole groove like he does by the end of the track. In the beginning, you can hear there's one ghost note, and then there's two, yep. and Just they're very strategically paced. Yep. But yep. you can actually hear them, which is crazy. I mean, I get hearing it when we show you the drums only track, but the fact that you can hear that when the whole band's playing, yeah. But it's yet it's magic. super quiet. Like, how is that possible? Amazing. All in the touch. In in. Uh uh, Lukather does confirm that what you hear on the record is the second take. That is, they played it down once, they played it down again, and that's what came out. What a I mean, freaking doo doo head. <laughs> okay. I uh, want to move on to These Chains. Okay, so These Chains is off of the album. The seventh one came out in 1988. This is another amazing halftime shuffle. So, what we're going to hear is what he plays around the three minute and 57 second mark. So this is a version of the halftime shuffle that I don't 
I'm going to bet, unless you know this track, none of us have done. So the ghost notes are on the hi-hats with the left hand, and the ride is playing the halftime shuffle. Right. So those middle triplets are kind of being thrown in on the hi-hat instead of the snare. It's some spots. Right. Really cool. And it's funny, I actually hear a little bit of Vinny's pop playing in this. Mm-hmm. You know, when Vinny does the full pop thing, it's he has that same clarity. Tom sounds similar. Um, yeah, wow, really cool. I've never heard that track before. Yeah, that's a that's a record that's probably often overlooked. It's a later era Toto record, the seventh one. Um, and Luke says again, from what he recalls, this was the second take. Damn. Yeah, it's pretty. Damn. It's pretty amazing that they're able. They basically like rehearse once, take it, and then that's the master. <laughs> That's what we did in Simon Says. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Take 84, drummer. Okay. No, I'm going to get it this time, guys. Uh, All right, Mashenga. All right, this is also off the seventh one. This is the intro. snare tones like that are the reason why people started sampling drums right because <laughs> nobody else could figure out how to get the snare to sound like that so like all right well next time that that dude comes in just sampled it and just record it by itself in the wow. video he's playing i believe like a, a brass piccolo in that educational no. video yep when he demonstrates his beat so i think that is a pearl brass piccolo at least on the on the video that he put out demonstrating this got some smack to it so apparently yeah. that was something that jeff just kind of jammed in the studio and david page came in and, and created the riff and they wrote the song on the studio floor that's awesome and i could definitely see uh that being one of those i don't know if they play it in their current set but i could see if that was in the set mm. keith's eyes lighting up i mean like <laughs> sweet thank you for putting that one in i'm gonna kill it all right you want to do a couple more yeah so we've got um this one is Jake to the Bone off of uh, Toto's 1992 album, Kingdom of Desire. And this starts right at the beginning. It's in 4-4, and then it switches to 7-8 later in the track. But we're going to start at the beginning, and then we'll jump to the 7-8 section. funny in the beginning it was so like uh overly produced tower of power you know it was <laughs> right. like this like, like epic. <laughs> yeah epically clean reverbed out tower of power and then they were like um can anyone here play the jig jigs and steve luther was like yeah i got jig jigs jig 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 corn that was great. It was definitely 1992. I mean, yeah, it very much so was. <laughs> I can confirm that. Awesome, dope. All right, so let's right. do one more Toto, and then we'll pick maybe a couple non-Toto tracks. Okay, so this is the last one that's transcribed in the magazine. This is Mama off of the 1979 album Hydra. It starts at 40 seconds in. It's it's so cool when he's when he does stuff like that. That's like, okay, the broth of my soup is a halftime shuffle. Yeah, but it's not. We're not just having broth for dinner, son. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah, it's we're so not good. Tofu in there. We're going to put some meat. In <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. <laughs> Californian <laughs> hippie. Uh, no, that was that was great, so, man. Oh my god, I could totally see Ash Stone just obsessing over a track like this. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I could admit I'm ignorant to Toto's catalog. I didn't know there were so many halftime shuffles in their catalog. I kind of just thought no. Rosanna, maybe one or two other things in there, but man, these right. are killer. And so Luke says on this one, it was cut live on the studio as a four piece. 
Um, all the solos are tracked live, and they never rehearse for any of the records. So they would show up, they would learn something, and then they would make a song out of it. So that was a jam, Jesus. another jam that became a, a song quickly. Pretty brilliant. Awesome. Very cool, very cool. So, all right, you want to do a couple non Total yeah, ones? So let's do um, let's do Pink Floyd the, off of Pink Floyd's The Wall. Jeff played on the song Mother, if you weren't aware of that. So I was definitely not. hear him play something like that and to have it still still completely sound like pink floyd yeah yeah right yeah subtle i mean there's some five four bits in there mm-hmm. but you know it's undeniably perfect and and luke says on our website we have some comments from lucather about these tracks and he says i'm sure he got that one in one take <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool though i mean like even just reading these quotes um, from Steve Lukather, you can just hear how much pride he still has yeah. in you know in his old friend Jeff. It's pretty cool. All right, you want to do one more? Yeah. So we've got two two Sealy Dan tracks here to choose from. You okay. want to do Black Friday or Gaucho? Let's do Gaucho. All right. That's a fantastic example of when I was younger, what I thought of as a session drummer. When mm. somebody would say session drummer and, and and when they would say it in a way of like, this is what you would have to be able to do to be a session drummer. I mean, mm. that right there gives me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. That's that like tempo, that syncopated, yeah. that much space. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. And those rolls, man. Gosh. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, no. Uh, I mean, uh, and judging by the way that snare sounds, it was probably barely had any tension on it, right? Yeah, he's and it sounded like butter rolls on it, pouring sand onto binder paper. Just <laughs> yeah. that was wonderful. Um, yeah, that that to me, like um, even when people would just, I don't know. There's, I have this old. 80s 90s version of session drummer in my head and like you know because i was buying any book that said session and big Mm. band drummer steve houghton stuff (laughs) and you know the steve houghton demos would be a song like that and i was like oh god (laughs) well if that's what they're doing i don't don't know if that's where i want my future to go um that seems big boy that seems really hard (laughs) yeah that's amazing that's a cool track right there so all right everybody so we've if you've Somebody, if you're someone that's heard the name Jeff Beccaro a million times, but you never really knew his playing, hopefully that helped a little bit. And now you kind of know why he's so revered in our industry and why he's still such a legend and people are still going back to his parts decades and decades later. It's because of that. Um, that that's that's really cool stuff. Yeah, and all that stuff, so, uh, if you want to, you know, if you don't want to rewind it, it's all on moderndrummer.com under the Steve Lukather story. We have the transcriptions there, his comments, and then we have the additional five tracks as well. So you can, I was going to say, that's the biggest part is those transcriptions are there. So if you guys want to read what he's actually playing, very easy to do. All right, now it's time to remind you about our sponsors for this episode. We have Dream Symbols. If you're going to PASIC here in a few weeks on November 14th for the Progressive Arts Art Society International Convention. Uh, Dream will be sponsoring Scott Pellegrom's clinic. That is Thursday at 11 a.m., 11 a.m. to 12. That's Thursday, November 14th. And then Scott will be hanging out in the Dream booth from 1230 that afternoon on. 
Uh, I'll be joining the gang over there to just hang out, check out some symbols. So if you're going to go to PASIC, make sure you get there for the Thursday morning clinic with Scott. Scott's an insane, amazingly creative player, so it'll be super fun. And then go hang out the booth. We might be doing some giveaways, so uh, stay tuned for announcements on that. Um, this episode is also brought to you by uh, Black Swamp Percussion. Um, and we mentioned it a few episodes ago about these uh, medallion brass snare drums, which are insanely cool. We're going to be featuring them in a review here shortly. Um, but a little bit more info on it. It is a brass shell with a nickel plating. And there's a 55 by 14 and a 65 by 14 version. These are both called medallion brass under the Dynamics line. Uh, so the 5 by 14 uh, maps for 780 The 6.5x14 maps for 799 You can get them with the standard black nickel finish. They will also torch it to a patina for you with no extra charge. Or if you want to go super fancy, you can get some hand engraving put into the shell for roughly $300 to $400, just depending on the pattern. So really cool drums. We will be dropping in tons of audio to demo them in a later episode. But I can assure you these are some of the finest brass drums you will find. And they will also be at PASIC. So if you're going to be there, make sure you go by the Black Swamp booth. They will have these exact drums on display, as well as a bunch of other great dynamic stuff and Black Swamp percussion. So again, that's PASIC. That is November 14, 15, 16 this year in Indianapolis. So go check out Dynamics. Go check out Dream. Um, and then grab me if you see me for a hang. And then this episode is also brought to you by Angel Drums. So um, now's the time to put in an order. If you're thinking of getting a new snare or maybe even a new kit, um, you have until the 31st of this month to take advantage of these pretty insane deals that Angel Drums is doing for us. So you can get uh, a solid maple kit. These are segment shell, you know, block construction, solid maple, 10, 12, 14 inch toms, 20 inch bass drum, all for just $19.99. And the toms all come with Angel Hoops, those straight uh, straight angel hoops and their own proprietary hardware really high-end or high-quality stuff you can get that same kit with a snare drum um, so that would be 10 12 14 inch toms with 20 inch bass drum solid maple shells plus a solid maple snare drum that is $23.99 plus shipping and the other two deals you can get a 14 inch ash solid ash snare for just $4.75 or you can get a high gloss mahogany for $6.99. These are pretty, pretty significant discounts. So take advantage of it. Email Chris, that's C H R I S, at angeldrums.com if you're in the US to place your order. And if you're outside the US, you can go to Angel Drums' website, which is angeldrums.com, and contact them there to make an order. Uh, really high quality stuff. Um, totally a pretty insane discount. So take advantage of that. Um, yeah, so now let's get back to the show. All right, now it's time to get into our candy section. This is some electronic candy, the Elisa Strike Multipad drum controller. Uh, it seemed like there was a little bit of a battle for a while over the multipads, and mm -hmm. I did not think that Elisa was in that battle for a long time, and now I feel like they're right there at the top. Yeah, and I'm not an Elisa artist. I have no... <laughs> tie with anybody i'm just saying from everything you've shown me from the one that you had and demoed and then this thing that i watched on sweetwater's website today it just seems like they're killing it yeah it is i've had it in my studio for the past couple months and i've been messing around with it a bunch i found you know some maybe some little little things to consider but otherwise um the I mean, the first and foremost it's simple and it was inspiring. So that's like if electronics can meet those two criteria, it's simple sure. and it inspires me to, to want to play music. I don't have to worry about understanding the technology before I ever get to the music making. Um, so you just turn it on, you can just jam, and it's it's fun. Um, that's super cool. And the sounds are unique to this. So it's not, it's that not is like cool. they're not re recycling the Lisa's module from 20 years ago with the same sounds. It's all right. new, fresh samples. Um, so the specs that are really intriguing, first of all, it's $699, which is well below the com the competition. Yeah. Um, and it comes with six gigabytes of content already in it, plus 26 gigabytes of empty space. 
That's a lot. That's a lot of samples. <laughs> That's a lot of room. I was going to say, please don't do that thing that we've seen in the past where it's like six gigs loaded on it and one and a half megabytes for you. Right. I'm like, what? <laughs> Put one frog fart on there. What the hell is that going to do? I mean, Dude, 26 you, gigs of free space. That's a lot. Like when you, when you travel with tracks, I mean, how long is a full track? Eight megabytes? If it's a oh, full yeah. track? I mean. Yeah, if that, yeah. Is a, it Because it's. It's only for me. It's only guitar, bass, and click. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you can. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine ever maxing out this memory unless you're doing. I don't. I don't even know. Unless you're doing like, like timpani samples that ring on for like a minute and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Chimes. Chimes that just keep yeah. on going. So the memory and the price are really amazing. Uh, other just cool kind of drummer friendly features. You can change the color of the lights that are assigned to each pad, which I thought was really great for if you want to I have, love that. You know, loops can be one color, one shots can be a different color. You can have um, you can have it, you know, start and stop be different colors. I honestly think that that is one of the most important features of the whole thing because the companies that are making multipads make great multipads. It's not that big of a deal, but what they rarely take into consideration is they rarely put the engineer of that multipad out on the stage when the entire arena goes black and then you have to bring everybody back in with a sample. Right. (laughs) And so they've never really thought about using the product. So I know that those lights may be like, whatever it lights up. It's like, no, you don't understand what it's like for the, for the front of house guy to hit pure black mm-hmm. and then you have to bring us back in with an 808 and you yeah. can't see the damn thing you and then the you fire off a right tambourine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like ching alrighty welcome to the Taylor Swift concert sorry about that yeah so you that's know, so yeah cool. I think that's cool and, and there's other like grouping functions that, I, that maybe are possible with other pads but they're just so easy to assign so you could like maybe the three pads on the right you can have it set up to where it can go like top to bottom so no matter which pad you hit it's always going to it's always going to trigger the top right and then the middle and then the bottom so it just goes in oh, a predetermined really cool. order or you can have it be random like the whole pad you can have all nine pads be just round robin so you, whatever pad you hit it's just going to randomly play different stuff I have a question for you so I saw Nick demoing this Nick DiVirgilio and he did something that because I don't use a ton of multipads and really the only one I have personal experience with is the Yamaha one. I don't know if this is normal, but he triggered, he had a loop going and then he triggered an effect on that loop mm-hmm. by hitting a pad. So when yep. you hit the pad, it put on like a, a modulator or a filter. Yep. Is that a normal thing in the pad world? I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay, I mean, I've never seen a, that before. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. Some of the other ones, but I think it's a push button on and off. Right. I, I could be yeah. completely wrong. But yeah, this you can assign one pad to be effects on, effects off, or something like that. Really cool. Yeah. And it was really, uh, honestly, quite useful. I could see, okay, we're going to have this rhythm bed happening throughout the entire track, but I'm going to have it be affected this way for the verse, and then I'm going to turn that effect off, and it'll come in in full force for the chorus. Yeah. Um. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, there's a lot of just cool creative features and and like for me, if I'm gonna do improvisation, I can assign like some pentatonic scale melodic ideas just to all the right. pads. And then because it's pentatonic, I don't need to worry about it being right or wrong notes. You can just kind of play the pad and it's gonna create this yeah. this fresh melody every single time you play. Because it's in this round robin mode where it's just triggering randomly pad one through nine. So that's like inspiring on a creative level that I don't get from most pads where you have to kind of pre-plan what am I going to play, when am I going to play it, which pad is going to be a loop, which pad is going to be the melody stuff. So cool features. And then the screen on it is great for editing samples if you want to do any kind of editing on board. It looks like a little computer screen, which isn't found on any other pad. Um, other than that, um, there's two headphone inputs right on the front, which is really helpful for in you know short in ear cables that you don't have to loop all the way around to the back of the right pad. To the back, yeah, yeah. If you're if you're at that point where you just have enough room, losing a foot of in ear cable can right. suck. <laughs> right. Like, well, guess we'll be leaning to the left today. Now, the one thing that I that I don't know that this does, I probably should have asked Elise this before I cr- critique it. Um, because there's so much memory in each kit, I wasn't able to go like immediately to another kit. So if you're, if say you want to play like a, a, a Latin percussion kit for the verse, and you want to immediately change to another kit to go to something electronic, I couldn't do it. I found there was like two or three seconds of loading time. Sure. 
which isn't, I mean, maybe that's possible. I should probably find out and follow up. But in particular, there are some things I have to do um, where I need to be able to change the kits like instantly hit a button and it goes to a different thing. Okay. Um, so I had to just plan that accordingly with this and, and figure out some other way of work around it. That was the only thing that I noticed that this wasn't set up to do easily. Maybe there is a way to do it. We can kind of preload right. stuff, but um, but that was the only the only downfall that I found with this thing. Honestly, awesome. Well, everyone, check out the Alesis Strike Multipad. Like I said, I mean, you can find this thing. Uh, it's it's shockingly affordable. And uh, there's a great, great demo video on YouTube of Nick Virgilio on Sweetwater. Just, I mean, it's 25 minutes long, and he's walking you through this whole <laughs> right. thing. Yeah. It's really, really cool. Um, you can learn a lot and get excited about it and then get one of these things. All right, now it is time to get into our listener questions. You guys can always send us more listener questions. Anything you guys want to talk about, we are wide open to it. Just send it into mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. First up is... We've got Dan. Do you have any advice to help move away from, quote, lick-based, unquote, playing style? Sometimes, especially during solos, I find I'm just stringing together rehearsed licks and predetermined stickings and orchestrations. I want to feel like I'm expressing myself more spontaneously and authentically. Oh, absolutely. The easiest way to shut all that down is with a restriction. Yes, exactly what I was going to say. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Totally. It's so funny how much creativity can be born out of a restriction. Yep. Um, so, now, yeah, I would say, um, you know, as far as maybe try to only improvise and try to create. Uh, this is what I do for a lot of my students is I force them to stay in a very specific position. So I call it groove position. Right hand stays on the hi-hat. Left hand stays on the snare. Obviously, your foot is on the bass drum pedal and improvise in that world. It, mm-hmm. Your licks will be gone. Yeah. You won't be able to do them. Yeah. That's exactly it. And that's, I would go, yeah, yeah. I would, similarly, I would say the right hand's going to play quarter notes on a ride or a stacker or something. Now you've got to totally. a solo with the other three limbs. Yep. There you go. Um, okay. This one's similar. This is from Kevin. I currently play a small setup of a kick, snare, hats, crash, and a ride. I was wondering if you could point me in the direction of some fills to use when using a small setup like this as opposed to having toms. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. I would I would say really just dig into your odd groupings. That'll give you a lot of stuff. If you're working on odd groupings of threes, what could a three be? You could have right, left, kick, kick, right, left, right, kick, left. You could have nonlinear threes. So right hand on the ride symbol with bass drum, then followed by two lefts. There's so much you could do just with that odd grouping world in and then just divide everything up into your linear vocabulary and your nonlinear vocabulary. You'd be set. Yep. That's pretty much what I would say. And, and I think just making sure you're not thinking of fills having a definition that means you have to move around the kit. I mean, a fill exactly. is just a variation of what you're already doing. Totally. And that's I think that groove position thing is one of the things that my students, I, I notice the biggest aha moment from them when they realize, no, 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 fills has to go from the snare to the rack to the second rack to the floor. I'm like, no, no, no. That's some around the world bull crap. That's not a fill. Digga 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 digga. Yeah, we can, do that. we can probably fault the, the you know the drum method book world for yeah. defining something right. as a fill, defining something as a. I mean, if you play a beat for three bars and then you play a different beat for the fourth bar, that fourth bar beat is your fill, right? Yeah, Wouldn't totally, absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah. I I think of fill is it's filling in a gap of time with a variation. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I fault the drum industry. Once they brought out that damn five-piece kit and we could put an entire quarter note per drum, once it, when it was a four-piece kit, it, there was a ride symbol in the middle. So we had to go, okay, cool, we broke it up. Thank you. I think entry-level drum kits should be four-piece kits at the maximum. Of course. And then whoever was working at Montgomery Wards doesn't know how to take the picture, so it looks like two Mickey Mouse ears. And I'm like, who the hell plays a kid like that? God, I, I get fired up over those products. Oh, oh, all right, you know the more. ones that come out of Asia where you're like, you, oh, yeah. no one at your factory plays drums. Yeah, <laughs> it's 11 feet away from your kid. The snare drum is somehow under the hi-hats in some weird yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, all right, our last one here is from Dave. Um, how do you store your symbols? Are there any products for displaying symbols? I love the symbol displays in music stores where they have those swinging arms. Um, I wish they made those for us as consumers. 
How do you well, they do. Uh, you just, I mean, you can go to, uh, there's a lot of companies that make microphone stands uh, for a shelf. And the problem is you don't have a slat wall. The slat wall is what you need to put all those hooks into. Mm-hmm. You couldn't. I mean, a slat wall is not expensive. You could just have a slat wall in your drum room and then have those hooks. Those hooks are probably about a dollar fifty a piece, or those swing arms, and then you put them into the slat wall. It's you know, I mean, really just creating a little retail corner at your house. Right. Um, I, I just had a guy build me boxes, and that's where all my symbols are stored. And, and how they attach to it? Just like a threaded bolt with a thumb screw. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah, so there's a threaded bolt that goes right through the middle, and it's the exact same diameter as a cymbal stand, so you can use any of your cymbal stand wing nuts to kind mm-hmm. of fasten everything on. But I have all the boxes are 24 inches, so they house a 22 up, and then I, I have the whole set in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, And then before those, I, they were just in my cymbal bag. That was it. I've but lately, I mean, I don't, um, I don't... Oh, go ahead. I'll say I've been buying acoustic guitar stands to have... You know, oh yeah, yeah. That's always just, a great thing. Just put them, you know, that way you can get to them. You but can see them. They're off the ground. That's the whole reason I took them out of. I mean, they were always back here in just a bunch of cymbal bags, but mm-hmm. I didn't even know what I had anymore. And I'd open a cymbal bag. I'm like, oh my god, that's where that crashes. So <laughs> once we displayed them around the studio, then I can see. I can walk by and be like, okay, 15 inch jazz thin hats. There they are. Now I know. So, wait, boom. All right. Uh, please send your questions into mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. We do have a few audio questions. We'll probably do that in the next episode or so. But they can be audio. Sweet. They can be email. Just send them over mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. Time for our picks of the week. All right. My pick of the week is an audio pick. This is probably my favorite all-time cover of a great song called Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears. If you've never had to play that song, the actual one, you're in for a treat. Yeah. It is a biscuit of a groove and you're like, that can't be right. And it's like, (laughs) Oh yeah. It's cause I lived through the, the late eighties and the early nineties. I don't remember ever thinking, Oh, I can't wait to get home and jam that tune. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I saw a drummer play it live and I was like, that can't be right. And I went back and listened to the original recording. I was like, Oh my God, that's one of the coolest drum parts of all time. So anyways, uh, lettuce covered that song. So you got the great Adam Deitch on drums and it, it is, one of the most creative covers of that song I've ever heard. It is fantastic. So check out Lettuce. That's the band. And then uh, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. And you can find it on YouTube. You can find it on iTunes. It's a, it's an awesome cover with some really, really cool deep funk drumming. I, I just absolutely love it. You know another tune that's like that is that Michael Jackson, um, The Way You Make Me Feel. Uh, totally. That one, that's got a wicked yep. syncopated three, two over three yep. kind of vibe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. My pick same, of the week same thing. Go ahead. is um, so Friday I did a random gig, a benefit show in on Wall Street, and I'd never met anyone in the band before. And I'd show up, and the percussionist is uh, Damon Grant, who I met him was like, you know, you look familiar, name sounds familiar. Or let's you know, we'll, we'll talk during the break. So then. You know, we get through the set, and then finally he introduced himself again. I'm like, oh, yeah, you toured with Charlie Hunter for a bit, playing percussion and a hybrid. So then during the two hours between soundcheck and the gig, we just kind of hung out. He was like, oh, yeah, I have a podcast. You want to be on it? So we were just kind of nerding out, talking drums. He's like, yeah, you want to be on the podcast? So I'm like, yeah, of course. So it, it's self-serving as it might be, my pick of the week is uh, you don't have to listen to my episode. But go to Discussions in Percussion podcast. That's with Damon Grant and uh, Marcos Torres. It's it's pretty much what we're doing, but percussion oriented, and they do so uh, cool. Yeah, so give them you know go over there, check it out, subscribe, let them know that that we sent you over there, just so we can kind of make the connection. I think it's when I find something like that, I'm like this is this is not obviously not a competitor of for us at all, and it's just a, sure it's just another outlet for drummers to kind of geek out together. So again, that's discussions in percussion podcast with Damon Grant and Marcos Torres. Check it out. You don't you don't have to listen to my episode. And in fact, I'd rather you not. But <laughs> <laughs> you're so humble. Love it. Listen That's to it. Mike's episode. I'll say it for him. Listen to Mike's episode. Uh, now he, he got never like truly real gets guests. to express himself on this podcast. <laughs> he's got Zach Danziger. I mean, he's got real guests over there. <laughs> you're a real guest. You're going to Florida to play a clinic. You're a real guest. All right, um, all right everybody. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to episode 200 of the podcast. We really appreciate it. What episode is it? Yeah, 215. 
That's Dang, crazy. dude. <laughs> I mean, my goodness. <laughs> I probably should send you send you a Christmas present this year. Uh, so thank you guys so much. And if you can, head on over to iTunes or wherever you get this podcast and give it a little five-star review uh, rating and a, and a review. That stuff really helps other drummers find this podcast, and that is our goal. So everyone, have an amazing week. Get out there, go practice, and we will see you next time. And we're going to let Ryan send us off again. So thanks, Ryan, and get your beats in. And, uh, yeah, see you next week. It's a double whammy for my boy Ryan. <laughs> see ya. What am I yelling about? <laughs>